job interview and getting hired for a job is the purest form of a business transaction that exists. Mm -hmm. Like I do a thing, you pay me money. The end. All right. So (laughs) welcome to the Career Therapy Podcast. This is episode three with Corey. Corey, introduce yourself to the people, where you work and what you do. Yeah, sure. My name is Corey Davis. I work at a company called Infutor Data Solutions, uh, and we license uh, consumer data, and I sit in a, in a sales function. Very cool. And I wanted to chat with you, Jake. We've been friends for many years, and unfortunately, unfortunately, and you you are like basically the epitome of sales to me. And I work with a lot of sales folks, oh and uh, and I just feel like there's a lot of stuff that we talk about um, that would be really useful from your ideas on how you chose your career to how you branded yourself personally and professionally around it, as well as your thoughts on money and investing and things like that. So I just kind of want to start the conversation today and learn a little bit about when did you start thinking about sales as a viable career path? Um, Six months after I started doing sales. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, I was, I was one of those kids where in college, I was one of those that was like, I'm so good at marketing. I don't have to be one of these lowly, terrible salespeople. And to a degree for a little while, that was true. Uh, And then three months after I got out of college and got the job at the big fancy agency, um, I realized I hated it. And I realized that they didn't like me very much because they fired me. Uh, And so I was out of a job um, and, uh, needed to find something else to do. And, you know, the only opportunities at the time were, were sales jobs. Um, so I went on a bunch of interviews and just kind of picked one. Um, and the rest is history. Probably a blessing in disguise though. Looking back. Yeah. Yeah. A a thousand percent. Yeah. I, uh, my first job out of college, I kind of wish I got fired from it. One of my things, um, one of the things I realized while I was there was I was like looking around at management and stuff. And I, I talked with like 15 people um, that were a lot older than me. And I, I was like, mm-hmm. hey, you guys have been working here for a while. Um, what do you think? Like, how's how I think I asked everyone the same question. I said, what are you most excited about? And it was the most depressing series of conversations <laughs> I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And so um, it was one of those things where I started seeing like, oh, this is one of those companies where they don't they don't fire people. They just move them around to other parts of the company. Yeah. And I was like, God, I wish, I wish that that wasn't true because maybe I could get pushed out, but let's jump back into, you know, you, you were out of that role. You're looking for the next thing. It's yeah. all sales jobs. Yeah. What was standing out to you when you were seeing that? So, I mean, I, I mean, still today and, and likely forever. Um, I, I, I'm passionate about marketing and advertising. So, um, I was able to find a couple of jobs that were selling things that were marketing and advertising products. Oh, cool. Um, So that kind of helped me narrow down the search some. And then, you know, basically the first reasonably good opportunity that popped up where they offered me a job, I took it. As as 10 years into my career, as I think about like the two kinds of salespeople, I think there are those who uh, just really love to sell you know, heavily kind of money motivated and transaction focused and always, you know, that, and they'll, 
sell anything to anybody um, because they like the activity of selling. I've always been whatever the other one is, which is I think uh, those who really care about the kind of product that they are selling, which then makes the actual selling part just sort of, uh, you know, an extra piece really around spending all day, every day talking about marketing and advertising, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah. And that's basically what I've been doing for 10 years. Selling marketing and advertising? Yeah. Marketing and advertising things. So it's been print advertising at the very beginning. That was that first job. Uh, Then it was websites. Then it was digital marketing programs. Keep in mind, like 2010 was when I started. So like digital marketing was not really what it is today. The internet was, you know, Felt really new then. Um, I know. Uh, I, I think I was at the same time doing banner ads right. on websites yeah. where you're just physically placing a banner ad. Facebook, as we sit yeah, here today, like Facebook, as we sit here today, is going to do <clears throat> roughly $70 billion in revenue this year. In 2010, they did like a billion dollars mm-hmm. in revenue, right? So, um, so all that stuff was very new still. Um, and so it was print advertising products. Um, a little bit of digital, then it was websites, then it was software as a service, um, other digital marketing programs into now data and sort of a data as a service kind of model. What was it about marketing that stood out to you? Why that industry? It's not think finance. It's not finance. <laughs> okay. Was finance like the other, the only other Yeah, I went to business school. I mean, I went to, I went to not, not B, not mm-hmm. B school, but I went to an undergrad at a business college where it was like finance, accounting, HR, you know, management, whatever that is, uh, marketing. Yeah. Those are the options. I went to an average state school. Um, and so, you know, when I ended up in the business school, it was just kind of like, all right, well, I'm not doing any of those other things. So I'll yeah. do this thing. Uh, and then through that process, I got really passionate about brand, about, you know, messaging, about, you know, controlling the share of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I think, still the main thing that I think about all day. Controlling day. share of mind? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Like, Nike means something. Mm-hmm. Why? Because 40 years ago, somebody did something smart, and they kept doing it every day, everywhere you are, so that when you show up at the store, some of us just, we're just going to buy Nikes. We can't mm-hmm. really tell you why, and that's brand. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to me to think about that because there's two things that stand out about what you're talking about that I think are really applicable to anyone who's trying to build their career. The first one is to know what, I mean, in your case, like what kind of salesperson you are Yeah, because there are those two different kinds, but then also to narrow in on on a field or a category. I, I try all the time to get people to think like, Okay, you're in sales and you like you said there's two different kinds of sales people. So you're in sales and you want a job. Yeah. What kind of company do you want to sell for? Yes. And almost everyone's answer, no matter what I'm talking about is well any company. Any yeah. company that would hire me to do sales. And that ends up becoming a real issue because if they go talk to Nike, let's say, mm-hmm. and Nike says, "Well, why do you want to sell Nikes?" Their answer is cuz I want to make money. Yeah. And then Nike goes, "Well, good for you. So does everyone who's right. in sales." Right. So um, obviously you're in camp too, but like, what are your thoughts on those two camps? And like, how did you end up finding yourself? Did you ever think you were in camp one at any point or you always just in camp two? Well, I mean, um, I don't think I really was able to understand the differences 
um, at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, I certainly understand the differences now and, and see them in myself and see them in my colleagues and people that I know, uh, very much being in one or the other camp, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with either camp. Right. Um, But you have to know how to sell it. Right. But so I think there are, there's certainly the, the, the type of person who like loves, just loves selling. Like I don't love selling. I love marketing and advertising and really I love having impact on somebody else's business. That was really the main thing early on that I figured out was that if you, if you're a marketing person and you go work at a agency, like I did, um, you work for a bunch of clients and those clients are going to do just fine, whether you're helping them or not. Mm -hmm. What I figured out in, in selling, especially, where I started, which is like small businesses is if I could persuade them to do the thing that I thought was the right thing for them to do 12 months from now, when I came back, their business could be dramatically improved. Mm -hmm. Um, and basically if I could get them to trust me, um, through actually like really know what I was knowing, what I was talking about and really caring and not just being there for the deal, for the money, mm-hmm. for the contract, um, then ultimately that would feed into like a forever reputation and brand and whatever um, that is repeatable. Yeah. I think I think there's so many parallels between the sales process and the job search process yes. that are really interesting. And I feel like you and I have had conversations in the mm-hmm. past about like going in the room and like knowing you're going to change this person's mind or like being able to get mm-hmm. in their head or almost like mind control them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of curious, like when you think about that, that approach to convincing someone mm-hmm. approach, like what I say to people is they say, how should I answer these questions? How should I answer yeah. the question? Tell me about yourself. How should I answer the question? Why sales? How should I answer the question? You know, any question that comes up and I always say, well, what are they really asking you? And so for something like, tell me about yourself, there's a lot of ways you can interpret that. Most people interpret it as here is the linear progression of all the things I've done, all the places I've lived, the places I've gone to school and the things that I've done since I was born. And I'm like, unless you went to DePaul, you're not going to care that Mm -hmm. I went to DePaul. Mm -hmm. Unless you grew up in Arlington Heights, you're not going to care I grew up in Arlington Heights. So what are they really asking? And in my mind, what helps me is thinking, oh, they're lazy and they don't know how to start an interview. <laughs> so what they're saying is, hey, I don't know how to start this conversation. Can you start it for me? And then you get to choose what kind of a tone and topic you want to start mm-hmm. the conversation with. But I'm kind of curious in your mind, whether it's sales or the job search or whatever it might be, how do you get into the mind of someone and how do you like understand what is needed to convince someone? I listen. Full stop. Uh, that's it. Um, oh, that's the podcast, people. Yeah. Thanks so I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, so you said persuade earlier, which I don't. I understand that I said it earlier. Also, I think convince. I, I don't. Persuade, I yes. don't like that concept mm-hmm. because basically the way that I view selling is um, if I'm in a room uh, talking to somebody who. If I'm in a room talking to somebody uh, that shouldn't buy my thing, um, then 
I'm about to leave that room. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's a good idea for them to buy my thing, um, then like they're going to basically have to remove me from the room. (laughs) Not that aggressive, but they're basically (laughs) going to have to like really try hard to convince me Mm -hmm. why they can't buy it. Um, Because I think, you know, in the sales process, along with in the interview and finding a job process, like so much more work needs to be done at the beginning in the sort of qualifying stage before you're really even talking to anybody or before at least you're going to a second interview or a second sales meeting or a second, whatever. Um, Cause I think that's where a lot of people get caught is um, because they don't have that, like, to, to me, they are 100% the exact same thing. Like a job interview and getting hired for a job is the purest form of a business transaction that exists. Mm-hmm. Like I do a thing, you pay me money, the end. Uh, so they are exactly the same thing. And so if you're not very good at generating the opportunities to like have a job interview mm-hmm. or have a sales opportunity, whatever, Um, then you're going to have to chase the stuff that you're not really super excited about that. The person that's interviewing you is not sure that you're the right fit for. So really for me, the focus is heavily qualify and then talk to everybody like, and, and have that, like that initial prospecting activity be so much better and so much more detailed and stand out so substantially from everybody else that I get a lot of potential opportunities, mm-hmm. which then gives me the flexibility to tell people no yeah. when I can see that it's not a good fit, both in selling and in getting a job. Yeah. I like how you phrase that. So getting interviewing and getting a job is the purest form of a business transaction. It is. Yeah. Like as an employee, like there is someone, there is a CFO somewhere at every single company who looks at you, not hating on you CFOs, but this is the reality, (laughs) who looks at you as a number and as a service and they pay you every two weeks. It's called your salary to keep doing that service. And every once in a while you won't do well and you won't be worth the two weeks, but they'll keep you around. And then sometimes you'll do really well and you'll be worth more than the two weeks worth. Like, and then the minute that that's like not a good idea for the business, you're out. And, or by the way, the minute that you're doing too well for the number that they're paying you, here comes the promotion, the raise, or you're leaving to, for something better. It's the purest form of business transaction that exists. Yeah. And no one talks about it. No one talks about it. We're talking about it here. And, but I agree with you hundred percent because I feel like I talk to people every day and this is probably something that's going to equally annoy you as much as it annoys me. Is this, uh. I, I got my education, where's my job mindset. Mm-hmm. And um, it kind of drives me nuts because people don't think about the job search as a business transaction, as a pure, like, as a an exchange of yeah. anything. They think of it as you giving me the thing that I need mm-hmm. to solve my problem of not being employed. Yeah. And there, I we got into a deep discussion during a, a recent meetup where I was like, you got to kill this quote unquote, job seeker mindset. The job seeker mindset is I don't have a job. 
I'm desperate for a job. Can you give me a job? And I think Mm -hmm. when you go into an interview with that mindset and probably the same as sales, if you go in and you're like, we need your money for our business to grow. They're going to be like, well, I'm not going to just give you my money for your business. I'm giving you money so that my business can grow. Yep. Every single person who's hiring is hiring because they have a problem. Yep. So we have to identify that problem. And then I ask everyone, well, what problem do you solve? And they're like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, right. what problem are you solving? Right. No, I need a job. Right. No, people don't just have money lying around. There's yep. no magic money wand. Yep. And so this idea of like, we, I used to phrase it, or I was phrasing it the other day as um, the consulting mindset versus the job seeker mindset. The consultant says, I'm already doing this work. Your business has these problems. My work solves those problems, yeah. helps your business. We can work together. Yeah. So I'd love to do what I'm already doing for you. Mm-hmm. A job seeker says, I've got nothing going on. Yeah. Can you fix that for me? Yeah. And so I'm curious what that might spark in your head. Um, so in, in selling, to me, uh, and I think to a lot of people, the most dangerous um, kind of salesperson is the desperate salesperson. Um, so the person who, uh, doesn't have what they want to have and need to have and whatever, um, will go and try to chase any sort of deal. That's even a sliver of a chance of Mm -hmm. happening to me. It's the same idea in finding a job because again, they're the same thing. Um, so that's why my focus in both things has always been on, let me just generate a ton of opportunities because that feeds a little bit more confidence in myself. Um, a little bit of recognizing like, this isn't a great fit for them, for me, for whatever. Um, so that I can throw stuff away like in my day-to-day job or for somebody looking to, to get a job. Like, um, because the more opportunities you have, the more come to fruition. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, like that's hard to, to, to shift your mindset towards that. But, you know, like you are not entitled to a job. Like you could have gone to college. You could have gone to like lots of college and lots of cool grades and whatever, but like cool grades, (laughs) like, which I think is, you know, as the group too hard but like that's the that's the like it's entitlement like everybody mm-hmm. just feels like they are they are owed something and they're not right well and i think that's the trick of education in some ways too yeah because like they're like well if you just get a degree you'll get a job and then you get the degree and you don't get the job and you're like i was lied to no yep. you didn't do your market research well enough yeah. and and i think that there's an interesting thing when someone does and get a job and they go get more education and then more education they productively procrastinate their way into incredible amounts of debt but yes um when it comes to generating opportunities i think that's such an interesting phrase and i think it's one that people think okay all i need to do is go online send out a bunch of stuff into linkedin or all i need to do is go hit my email list and tell all these people to that my product is for sale now or whatever the thing might be what is, how do you generate opportunities in both sales and work? Um, so really my focus, uh, especially, you know, in the last several years, but, but 
sort of all always has been be where the buyer is and interact with them in the way that they want to interact. So now in, you know, as my career has evolved, um, as I've gotten a little bit more senior, like I'm still not very senior, but as I've progressed, um, I, I can actually be a little bit closer to a peer, um, to the people that I'm working with mm-hmm. and selling to, um, which means that, um, I can have a different kind of relationship with them, which means like I can send somebody a text on a Saturday. Um, I can follow them on Instagram. Like I can, I, which is, which has been a fun and is good. Is that new? Is that like yeah. fairly fresh? I think, and I think it's my own, it was my own insecurities for a long time because now I feel like I've, I've sort of reached whatever the arbitrary level is where I don't actually have to be, I don't have to hide my personal self in the way that I did when I, when I was younger, because when I was younger, I was young, like, you know, I was doing all the things that 24 <laughs> year olds do. Right. And so now I'm like an adult, like a real adult. Mm-hmm. And it's less embarrassing to live online. And so it's like, Oh, like I'm like, I'm really a professional and I'm really like, I'm, I'm reasonably credible and like, Oh, and by the way, I'm, honest and trustworthy and like I can just be myself um you know whether it's you know working hours or or not um which then gives me the right that I try to earn of like sending somebody a text on a Saturday um or or you know it not being weird when I follow them on Instagram um you know, because mm-hmm. because I think some of the time they view me as maybe not a peer, but close enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. It, it almost like I heard something recently. Maybe it was in like the um, steal like an artist or something. It's like the power of being boring and like having a really boring life. That's just kind of allows you to do the work you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like everyone. I don't know, there's this general sense and everyone's always talking about how social media makes us all anxious and and like comparative yeah. and all these different things. Yep. And you see all these people traveling the world, living in vans or whatever the hell mm-hmm. they're doing. And I'm like, uh, Sunday morning, I woke up, I made coffee and I meditated and I sat around and I watched like a architecture video. And then I came up yeah. with ideas for a course I'm building. Yeah, I like, mean, I think, yeah. I mean, I think uh, a lot of the, the noise um, is really just, uh, it takes every individual time to mature out of that mattering. Some people, it happens when they're 13. Mm-hmm. Some people, it happens when they're 50, uh, whatever. But I think like as a, you know, if you're trying to establish yourself in a, in a business setting as a professional, whatever, like you just start to like, I would agree a boring life to me, that's like a, that's like a peaceful life. That's like a, I'm, I have clear thoughts. I'm like doing the things that I care about that matter to me, that matter to my family, that matter to my personal, like whatever. Um, and I'm not worried about anything else that anybody else is doing or not doing or whatever. Yeah. Um, which I, I just think comes with maturity. Yeah. Do you think that there's anything that for folks who are trying to seek that clarity, right? 
um, was it, was there anything that you came across that like helped you push through some walls along the way, or was it just time and patience? Um, I think, uh, you know, I think really for me, like the, 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 the main driver that got me really intrigued by selling, um, early in my career was I got to start fresh with every person. They had no idea who I was. They had no preconceived notions, good or bad, um, which meant I w- had full right to absolutely, completely fail and embarrass myself and look like an idiot. Or for them to trust me and like kind of think that I was an okay person and that I actually had something good that I was talking about that would actually help them. Um, and either path I found was actually fine for me uh, or somewhere in the middle was fine for me because I had a shot of, you know, actually creating from scratch somebody's opinion of me, mm. um, which was something that growing up and whatever, I didn't have the luxury of. Um, small town, like had a certain kind of reputation, all those sorts of things, sorts of things. So, you know, by the time I was in middle school, like everybody had this preconceived notion of who I was and or wasn't. Uh, and I didn't, that bothered me a lot. Um, so by the time I got out of college and was trying to make my own way, that was something that I really like, which is still probably the thing that drives me a lot today is that every new person that I get to interact with, like for the most part, they don't know anything about me at all. Mm -hmm. Um, which is just this liberating feeling, um, that I can like be myself and be a good dude who cares and wants to help them and also has this thing to sell them because I think it's a good idea and like, you better buy it or I'm not leaving or whatever. Yeah. I think that's so true. And I think, I think it's really helpful to hear that because when we go into a sales meeting or an interview or whatever it might Mm be, we know who we are and we know our past and we know all our flaws Mm -hmm. and it's, it's one that comes up, I think, in like the question of what are your strengths and weaknesses? Yeah. I think a lot of times people go like, oh, fuck, I need to. Oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on my own podcast. This You're totally allowed. I haven't decided. Yet. You're in charge. Uh, uh, we're allowed to swear on this podcast. All right. So I just remember like. This just got a lot more fun. This got a lot more fun. Uh, we're going to be throwing this <laughs> shit. And uh, so um, I was talking to someone and they're like, I feel like I'm lying when I answer this question. Mm. And I feel like a lot of times in sales, people feel that way too, because maybe they're selling something that is going to exist or something that's new to them that they don't know all the ins and outs of. Mm. I'm sure there's a million different insecurities that pop up in sales as well. Um, And so one of the hacks that I found for selling your own strengths and weaknesses is to either reach out to old managers, if you have good relationships with them and say like, hey, what were they? Like my strengths and weaknesses. They'll just say, here you go. You can say, well, my past managers have told me these are my strengths and weaknesses or to take like a Myers-Briggs personality test and be like, according to this, there's a website called 16 personalities.com. It's like, according to this test, Mm -hmm. they say that my strengths and weaknesses are this. I agree with these ones for these reasons. Yeah. And I'm just kind of curious, have you over the years, as you've gone from like someone who is currently feeling like you're a peer with the people you're selling with, 
sort of sort of yeah and that past where you didn't have that yeah. that sort of security what has changed in how you've approached maybe your own confidence in these conversations like like hacking your own confidence or or convincing yourself of a new mindset that works better or something like that um i would say my my thinking is longer term um i i I think I've always been kind of a long-term thinker. Like I think even at 22, 23, I thought about the very long term, like the, like when I was like, when I was 22, I was thinking about when I'm going to be 82. Yeah. Um, but I think over time that has become clearer to me and I can really act on the long term, um, which is compounded interest. I mean, it's just like, um, it's such an easy concept to like talk about. Um, it's really hard to act on it in the moment, but it always works always a hundred percent of the time. It's just, it's really hard to like, cause you got some CFO somewhere writing you a check, right? Like every two weeks and there's this transaction. Yeah. So you gotta perform and do your thing in the short term. Um, but to be able to do that and keep that person happy while still thinking about your own career and, you know, how you represent the company and whatever else for the very long term, mm -hmm. um, that, that has paid huge dividends for me. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. And thinking long term, it's like, who was I chatting with? I was chatting with someone recently and. I was like, they're, they're trying to figure out what the next step is in their career. And they're actually trying to get out of sales. So they're currently yeah. in sales and they're like, maybe marketing is better for me. So the exact opposite mm. uh, trajectory. And I was telling them about account management and what that might look like versus what they're currently doing. And they were saying like, oh yeah, you know, I just, I'm trying to do X, Y, Z. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make these moves quick because, or no, they were actually taking their time. And so I was like, well, yeah, you've got 50 to 60 years left. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, I'm not in any rush to leave this company. I'm like, but you will someday. Yeah. Like, don't like when we think I'm not in a rush to do X, Y, or Z. It's like, you might not be in a rush, quote unquote. Yeah. yeah. But you should be thinking about it. Yes. You should be thinking about what happens if this company lays me off. Yeah. You should be thinking about what happens if this role is no longer necessary or I do something wrong or um, I just need to move on because it's been 10 years. Yeah. I talked to someone recently who's in their late 50s. And they're dealing with ageism and a bunch of other things going yeah. on. And he go, I go, what advice do you have for people who are in the class that are way younger than you? And he goes, uh, I joined a company. I was there for 25 years. And I just only learned what they told me to learn. And I was like, mm -hmm. it's the worst. And so I actually have this, um, this grid of 100 circles on my whiteboard at home. And I filled in the first 30. And I'm in 31 right now. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, there's a lot of damn circles left. Yeah. And I've only really been productive in like six of these circles right so like the first 10 are nothing the second uh -huh. 10 are a mess half yeah. of the half of the uh the 20s were a yep. mess. and so i'm like okay so there is if i could do that much in one circle think of how much i can do in the next 40 circles and mm -hmm. it, it really does help put things into perspective yep um when you're thinking long term what are your thoughts around your like reputation or your personal brand. Cause you have that marketing mindset and you have yeah. that kind of long-term thing. And I want to bring up what you said about Nike. You're yeah. like someone many years ago made a strong decision 
yep. that has rippled out. Yep. So what are some of the things that you think you're either doing or want to do or have done with your personal brand that are going to have amazing ripples? Um, I mean, I think it's just for me, uh, it's just like be yourself. Like I actually think that the thing I sell now and the five things I sold before this are a good idea to the people I'm selling it to a hundred percent of the time. And if it's not a good idea, I'll just tell them like, cause there's plenty of fish in the sea as yeah. they say. Right. So, so to me, like it's really just, it's kind of a compounding interest on, man, this guy is saying the same damn thing every day. And he's been saying it for years and years and years like that. I don't have to say anything new for that to be a unique brand. Yeah. Like, like to be 22 and 23 and going to a bunch of these sales meetings by myself, you know, selling to small business people who it was, they were basically like more than a few times people that eventually bought from me told me, I'm taking this money out of my kid's college fund to give it to you to buy this thing. You only have to have that happen one time when you're 22 right. before you're like, oh man, this is like a big thing. Like this matters. Mm -hmm. And so like being honest and authentic and passionate and the output of that being persuasive um, and only ever being that and only ever using this, whatever the skill is that I have for good, not for bad, uh, matters. And, and I think the longer that you can go keeping that, that reputation, um, of being a good dude who, you know, is authentic, mm -hmm. the more it feeds the next thing. Uh, and the thing after that and the 15 things after that. Um, yeah. And that, that idea of using it for good and not for evil, right? Yeah. Like, um, it's funny. I had a conversation with a really good buddy when I was working at a credit card company and I'm like, I don't know, man, I think credit card debt is horrible mm -hmm. and we're selling stuff that I know is messing up people's lives. Yeah. And he, he turns to me and he goes, what are you talking about? I use credit cards to finance my business and it has been an incredible thing that I was able to do and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right. So there are many ways to view everything, right? Yeah. It's not just one way. Yeah. But at the same time, <clears throat> a lot of folks are under pressure from in, in the sales world yeah. to, to do, let's say, shady practices yeah. in order to make sales. Have you ever come across a situation like that? And like, did you, how did you respond to it? Maybe if you want to talk about someone else, not personally, feel free. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think that is, a an extremely regular occurrence, um, you know, but thankfully for me, I've always been hardworking enough and talented enough that, um, I could just basically say no. And that makes a lot of people uncomfortable, mm -hmm. especially people that I worked for. Um, but you know, ultimately at the end of the day, that person cares about selling and conversions yeah. and money. Um, and so I think, I think you can be completely a thousand percent 
honest and authentic every single day, all day, and do extremely well in a sales role. You have to be really hardworking and reasonably talented and passionate about the thing you're doing to actually make that work. If not, you're going to fall into the trap of lying and you know, yeah. whatever. Stretching the truth. Yeah. I mean, like it's hard to sell and sell a lot and do well while still being true and authentic and honest and, and passionate about your thing. Yeah. Um, but it, it can be done. I know lots of people that do it mm-hmm. every day. Um, yeah. One of the things that pops into mind is this uh, expression, the kind no. Um, I think like this honesty thing, there's so many people out there saying, just be yourself, be honest. Yeah. Right. And then there's the joke, well, what if you're an asshole? <laughs> it's like, well, shit. <laughs> um, and so one of the things that I find so interesting is like honesty without kindness or without understanding or whatever word you want to put mm-hmm. in there. Um, honesty without tact yep. is not a good thing. Yep. It's actually a hurtful thing in most cases in interpersonal relationships, mm-hmm. or it can be damaging to your business mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Um, you have to be honest and helpful or honest and like informative. Has there been any situation where someone's tried to be honest with you in a business sense or in a, that, mm-hmm. that it hasn't yeah. gone well? And what could they have done better? Um, well, so I would say the, the most common thing, based on my personality type, I think is the same thing and my way of going about selling. Uh, a very common thing that I deal with um, is, you know, in, in sales, the, the common things are like, who is the decision maker? What is the budget? When would you like to buy this thing? Right. Those are the basics, mm-hmm. um, which is also exactly the same thing for interviewing for a job. Right. Um, what is common, I think probably because, my output is pretty passionate and pretty excited and engaging, reasonably engaging. Uh, I think what happens sometimes is somebody who's not a decision maker will, they will stretch the truth and say, yes, I'm the decision maker because somehow they don't want to like, let me down. Mm -hmm. Like they think that that's letting me down to just tell the truth, which is not something that I've fully figured out yet. Uh, I'm trying to figure it out every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's, that's a scenario where I will get frustrated because I came with a hundred percent truth and just like, tell me like, whatever, like, tell me, no, just tell me, uh, kind of thing. And, and so, but that's, that's, it's my job to, pull that out of them and get Mm -hmm. them to feel comfortable. So it's a hundred percent on me that they did that. Um, it's a very common thing that I struggle with. Um, probably the biggest, um, reason that sometimes that I don't sell something I'm trying to sell is they're, they're afraid to like, let me down, which causes them to, to not tell the whole truth. I see that a lot in the job search too, where companies will say, you know, you don't get the job. Yes. All right. We're not going with you. Yes. Even though they just spent the last five interviews telling you how much they loved you Mm -hmm. and and so on and so forth. And so they don't know how to tell you no. So they send you the form email, even though you've invested 40 plus hours into this, which honestly isn't that much to be, if you're thinking about it. But, um, I actually had a situation, uh, well, so, so many people I work with complain, like I'm being honest, but they're not, or, I'm being kind, but they're being jerks mm-hmm. or 
um, they're, they're, uh, how did someone put it? They had a good way of putting it. But um, one of the things that I'm trying to practice and teach in the job search is this like extreme empathy yep. of like, if they don't get back to you, the first react, there's three ways we can react. The first way is the worst possible interpretation of that situation. The second way is the most neutral way. And the third way is the most positive way. Mm -hmm. So this person didn't respond to my email. It's because they hate me and I suck and they think I'm the worst and I've right. bothered them. The neutral way is this person didn't get back to me because they just didn't get back to me. Mm -hmm. And the best way is I'm sure this person has a lot going on mm -hmm. and they meant to get back to me, but they didn't. Yeah. And so we always want to be as close to the positive side as possible. Yep. Um, and I had a situation once where I got, I had an interview, they asked to reschedule, I gave them times and then I got ghosted for two months. Yep. And then they came back to me and they're like, Hey, can you jump on a call tomorrow? Right. And I'm like, and, and this is what someone said in a, in a meetup. They're like, they're always taking so long and I always have to react fast. What the hell is that about? And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, you are on their timeline because yeah. they have the money. Yep. Um, but at the same time, I was like, okay, whatever. I'm going to go along with it. And I've done work with that company. And what I found is that that person actually struggles with anxiety, like extreme mm -hmm. medicated anxiety. So I'm like, oh, this had nothing to do with right. me. Yep. This was 100% to do with their own anxiety. And like at one point they came to me and they're like, can you help me like tell this person no? And I was like, oh, you really have trouble telling yeah. people no. And like all these things kind of, you, you sort of realize it. And so I just assume everyone is dealing with some sort of disorder <laughs> so that I can like have extreme well, empathy. And, it's better than thinking everyone's a jerk. Yeah. Know? Well, and I would also say, uh, yes, I think that's, that's good to, um, to understand that you don't understand everything that's going on with somebody else. Um, I would also add, though, that my belief would be in in selling or in getting a job that it's 100% on the seller or the interviewee mm -hmm. uh, to understand all that. Like you, that company that you're trying to get the job at or that person you're trying to get as your new customer, they don't owe you anything. Right. So it's. 100% your job to figure that out and understand that. So like me saying like, yeah, I think lots of people sometimes, you know, feel like they're letting, they're letting me down. Mm -hmm. And so I'll get ghosted or something will change or whatever. Um, like that's my job to have that happen one time, learn from it. And the next time try to adjust. Yeah um with that new knowledge and that new understanding and that new experience yeah and don't be like one person that uh i talked to who called them emailed them called them again emailed them again went to the company tried to get into the lobby got taken out by security mm -hmm. don't do those things that's yeah. just not a good look not, a good, not look. a good look no um that and that goes look. i bet i think back to that desperate salesperson like yes. we we, yes. every time we don't hear back, we should take this as an opportunity to go talk to someone else. Yep. And I think that that's a really important thing. So as we get into the final, uh, you know, 15, 10 minutes of this, of this conversation, I wanted to talk a little bit about money and dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Because yeah. um, in both sales and in, in the career, it's, I just love all the parallels between sales and career, by the yep. way. But um, 
in both sales and career, money is such a touchy subject. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious, you've always had such an interesting mindset around money and how to use it. And I've, I've recently talked with some folks who I think have very skewed versions of what money means. Um, to give an example, I was talking with someone and they said they want to make six figures. And I was like, okay. And they said what they're currently making, which is, you know, just, you know, double digits an hour. And I go, that's a long way that we've got to conversate. First of all, you don't know what you like to do or want to do. Yeah. Just make six figures. And I go, why six figures? And they talked about uh, housing and they talked about how much money the median houses cost to buy. And they talked about the mm -hmm. blah, 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 and all this stuff. And I go, yeah, but if you don't even know what kind of value you provide people to expect six figures of value back from people and going back to our conversation earlier was they are giving you that money because you're giving them more value in return. Yeah. Yep. And, and when we think about money as something that we deserve or something that we just want because we yep. need it to live, it, it removes that part of the conversation. And so I just feel like there's a lot of weird views on money. And yeah. I myself am, am trying to always like, what, how do you price things? How do you, yeah. how do you get, how do you figure out like what this person can afford versus that person? And I don't know. I, I just sort of want to open up the idea of money and negotiations and I'll, I'll start it with negotiations. Yeah. In a negotiation, people are like, well, I want to make, let's say 80 K. Yeah. And I go, no, no, no. What does this role earn? Yeah. Not what do you want to make? What does this role earn? If you were to hire someone for this job, what would you pay them if you were in the company's shoes? Yeah. That helps alleviate a lot of stress. Yeah. And so kind of separating our identity from the dollar yes. is where I've started yes. to break this apart. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on it. Um, yeah. I mean, I think um, first, like any dollar like is like it's arbitrary. So like um, every single time that you're talking about money, like you have an idea of what that amount of money represents and that person very much has a different idea of what that amount of money represents. A hundred percent of the time that you're talking to somebody about a job, they make more money than whatever they're talking to you about. hundred mm. percent of the time. Right. You're not, you're, that's really interesting. Right? I've never thought about it yeah. that way. Yeah. hundred percent of the time you've never negotiated for a job against somebody who makes less money than you or the same as what they're offering. Never. It doesn't exist. Right. Cause that's a hiring man. That's likely pretty much. It's going to be your boss. Yeah. Right. You're, that's who you're talking to. Hopefully, about hopefully it's offer. not like an HR person. If, if it's an HR person or what, I have you're no a, idea. I have nothing to offer to that because anyway, that's yeah. never happened to me yeah. once. You're talking to your boss, your future boss, you, that person's boss. The VP, someone some, on the Somebody team, yeah. up higher in the org, which means that they make more money. So $80,000 might be more money than you've ever made. It's likely less money than they've made in 10 years. So $85,000 would be a big deal to you. 
they were going to give you 90 mm -hmm. because that's just 10,000 bucks to the guy who makes 200, right? Mm -hmm. Who cares? We like this guy. He's the right candidate. No, it's $10,000 because we're getting 150,000 of value out of him. Yeah. Anyways, if this is the right candidate and this is the one that's going to fit this function, that's $150,000 worth of value. So as long as this guy over here that pays gets paid 200 grand gets less than $150,000 for you, the service, then he won the negotiation. Yeah. So I, to me, it's like, it's the value piece. And then it's also like, as I think about negotiation, um, more in my day to day, like I haven't negotiated a job in a long time. Um, but as I think about it in my day to day, I had a conversation on Twitter, uh, the other day with a very successful person, um, shouts out, uh, <laughs> he knows who he is. Um, and there was like a conversation about like negotiation and how you handle it. So like when I am negotiating deals here, I'm thinking about the four or five possible things that both sides want. And then I am attaching dollar figures to each one of those things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're a high growth company. We care about partnering with our customers on things like marketing and doing long-term deals and a certain committed revenue number. And we want to sign by a certain date. Okay. Those are the things that I care about. What do they care about? Uh, they want to try it out for 90 days. Don't try it out for 90 days. <laughs> Don't do it. They want to, they want to do this or that, whatever they have, whatever they care about. And then I'm for the negotiation conversation. I'm putting all that on a page, on a slide. Mm -hmm. We're talking about it in a room, on a whiteboard, whatever. And we're just coming to a, a number together that I'm comfortable that the team that I work with is comfortable and that the customer is comfortable with. I think it's the same exact thing when you're getting a job, like the, how much vacation time and how good your benefits are and what your 401k match is going to be and what your start date's going to be and your job title. Those, those are all things that are part of it, that are part of it. It's not just the number, right? Cause maybe they pay you twice as much money as you thought you wanted, but if it's not the job that you wanted, then what, the hell is the point exactly um and by the way if they pay you twice as much then you're probably in a job that's over your head and you probably won't do well i hope you do but you probably won't do well which then means three months from now you're going to need to find exactly <laughs> and then i think it's so good to think about too because right if you're talking about eighty thousand mm -hmm. dollars another five or another ten is a small percentage of that 80 and like it's a small percentage of like the bigger picture and i think like a lot of people just get caught up in these tiny details that really like I, I had someone who wanted to walk away from a job because they weren't going to go up an extra 2000. Yeah. And I was like, 2000, you can't find 2000 somewhere else in your life and like yeah. help yourself like move to the next level. Yeah. That, that to me, that just sounds like somebody with too much pride. So, I mean, if you really want the extra $2,000, you should have 15 steps before when I prospected harder to generate more opportunities to have a competing offer. Yeah. Just an idea. Cause your dad told you, you have to make a certain amount of money. Like, like yep. that's just nonsense. It's nonsense. As we kind of come to the end here, I I'm really just, I want to, I want to pick your brain to use the worst phrase in a podcast ever. But um, if we were to time travel back to the 
early 20s. Your early 20s. Okay. Not the 1920s. Yeah. And you, that was my 1920s accent. I loved it. It was great. You should shoot up a bank. Um, and you got little Corey over here. Yeah. And he's looking at you with these big bug eyes, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, it's like, I'm about to go start. I'm going to get one of these sales jobs. You know, yeah. I got to yeah. figure it out. Yeah. What do you say to that guy? Uh, be yourself. Work hard and it'll all be fine. Uh, you know, you're, you know, like I, to me, like, like self-belief, like self-confidence, um, like plus a bunch of work ethic, um, is to me is the only way I could ever do this. The only way like, um, and just like, uh, closing out all the noise, uh, has been very, very effective for me. Closing out the noise. Yeah. I really think that's an effective tip, especially for folks who are just like, yeah, I get it. But like, how do I do it? And it's that noise, right? The voices around you. Like, I think if, if you're trying to find a job and you don't have the email address of the CEO of every single company you're trying to get a job at, you are doing something wrong. Like if you're not emailing that person of like, yo, by the way, at six o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock at night when they actually will see the email yep. uh, or Saturday or whatever, like don't send it at two o'clock in the afternoon. Nobody's On a Friday. Yeah. No one's looking at that. Yo, saw that you like golf. Uh, check your uh, office gift box in four days. I sent you some a club. I don't, I don't know. Club sandwich? Uh, what a weird. <laughs> uh, saw this job posting. Uh, think I fit this in these six ways. Probably a little weak in this way over mm-hmm. here that you're asking about. Real confident that I could learn that in six months on the job. Um, can I come in for an interview in three days at this time, this time, this time, or this time? Yeah. Why? Because nobody does that. No one. So you could be the least talented, dumbest person on earth. If you do that, you will sometimes stand out and at least get in the room. Mm-hmm. And then you just have to execute. Like you just have to show up and like prove to that person that you're not completely full of shit and you will get the job. It's the end. And can you explain that this is not quote unquote bothering people? Which is no. what the excuses that I hear all the time. No, here's and you know why it's not bothering people? Because that CEO did the exact same thing 30 years ago. That's how they got to that job. Because they were willing to do the things that nobody else was doing. They were willing to step outside and try something unique. Mm-hmm. Not something more even. Like I'm not telling you to work more. Right. I, mean, I work more, but like you don't have to. Just be unique, stand out. Because that's how you get away from the apply on a website to some empty portal where no one's even looking at your resume in the first yeah. place. Like you have to stand out. So it's an email at a weird hour directly to the CEO with here's what I can do. And when can I talk to you? Or it's a following somebody on Instagram or tweeting at somebody or getting a connection in through your whatever. Um, those are the things that help you stand out. Especially if you're going into sales, you need to learn how to do that stuff. Exactly. Anyway, uh, Clearbit Connect, uh, not sponsoring this video, but a great place to find people's email addresses if you're interested, uh, and it's free. But um, that's awesome. I, I very much agree with that, and I think I think this idea of just like 
being afraid to go talk to people. It's like, you are there to help. That's it. Yep. You're not there to, to con them out of money. And if you're there to help, you're on the right track. I had mm -hmm. a student who did that. She just pinged the CEO of a startup. She said, I just applied for this role. He said, we got 250 applications yesterday. Yeah. Thank you so much for messaging me. Yep. Because I can just bring you in right now and we yep. can hopefully yep. not look at the rest of them. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome, Corey. Thank you so much for chatting with us. Um, Thanks for having me. Career Therapy Podcast Episode 3. Um, if people want to find you yeah. and learn more or follow your journey to, uh, we didn't get to talk about your investments, which, mm. gosh, I really wanted to, but we got into some really good stuff otherwise. I'll come back. Uh, we'll, we'll have a part two about how to invest in the future. Um, but how can people follow along or find you? Uh, so uh, the company I work for, Infutor Data Solutions, is hiring. So any of those hey. sales folks, um, you know, entry level, more senior, whatever it is, uh, along with product and marketing and tech and all those things, Corey Davis at Infutor.com. Well, uh, the email right yeah, out there. Uh, and hit me up. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an email address away. Uh, just like Every other CEO, every other fancy person you want to think you want to talk to, they're all just one touch away. So I love it. Reach out. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me.